Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Thursday, January 20th. Today marks the one-year anniversary of Joe Biden being sworn in at the Capitol, a Capitol that was still being patched back together after the insurrection on January 6, 2021. Much of Joe Biden's message on this day last year was centered around bringing the country back together, finding ways to reach across the aisle, bring an element of bipartisanship back to Washington, D.C. and our national political discourse, and of course, uh, trying to deal with uh, what at the time we thought was a COVID pandemic that was going to look a little bit different with vaccines on the horizon. But two variants later, we know that COVID is a part of our uh, day-to-day lives to this very day. So a lot has happened in one year as Joe Biden's presidency turns one year old today. And for some insight on this, I wanted to bring in KCBS Radio politics reporter Doug Sovereign. And Doug, I watched the almost two-hour-long press conference that Joe Biden held uh, yesterday. I know that you did, too. I followed it along on your Twitter feed as well. Just give me your takeaways from what Joe Biden, what you heard from Joe Biden as he was laying out what this past year has been like and what he uh, would like the next year to look like. Yeah, almost two hours, which I I believe is a record. If it's not, it's awfully close. I certainly can't recall any president ever going for that long and and staying so long with the, with the media to answer their questions. It was pretty remarkable. But of course, he has not had very many of these, and that's been a bone of contention for the last couple of presidencies that they just don't have news conferences as regularly as they used to. You know, Joe Biden came out, I think, um, to to sort of lay the the case out to the American people because you know he says he doesn't believe the polls. He doesn't listen to the polls, but I'm sure he knows what those numbers show, and they're not very strong. I mean, his approval rating in the latest CBS News poll is 44%, which is the lowest of any president not named Donald Trump since we've been polling. And and that's consistent across a lot of other polls, Gallup and, and the like, um, showing him with pretty low approval ratings, that they've gone steadily downward from the low 60s when he took office to the mid-40s now. Uh, which is not great. And, uh, you know, I think he knows that his message is not being heard, that um, he hasn't been that effective a messenger. And he owned up to that a bit in this news conference. But I think he wanted to make the case that, look, he's actually done a lot. uh, And from his point of view, more than most presidents have. I mean, he passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill, you know, trillions of dollars that no one's been able to do for many, many years, despite trying. Um, he's managed the pandemic somewhat, uh, not as well even he admits as it could have been managed, but got those vaccines into people's arms, got masks out, got testing ramped up, a lot of things that weren't being done 
when he became president. And I think economically, he can point to um, incredible, you know, record job growth, more jobs created in 2021 than any year in history. And of course, presidents don't really do much to actually create jobs, but they get credit or blame when there aren't any or when there are. Um, Record low unemployment, record job creation, the stock market doing well, which of course was Donald Trump's great measure. So, you know, he, he could come out and say all these things he's done and try to persuade people that he's doing a good job. But a lot of them don't believe it because they see failures in Afghanistan. They see uh, very high inflation, the highest we've seen in decades. They're frustrated that COVID is still with us, that it's not over yet, that he, you know somehow he did not prevent the Omicron variant and the Delta before that. So I think he's trying to sort of reorient the public to his way of thinking that he's actually done a lot. And if they would focus on that, they might be a little happier with him and his intention is to get out there and sell that message over the next few months. I think you hit on everything that is at the the core of the Biden presidency, the good and perhaps the not so good. And that is the messaging of it all. And, you know, it's it's no big surprise at this point that we're still very much living in a Donald Trump world. And what I mean by that is for example, Donald Trump would would tell you every single day, would tell the American people or anyone who would listen every single day for the four years that he was president, all the things that he'd done. You mentioned the stock market. That that was something Donald Trump mentioned. He was mentioning the stock market in the coronavirus you know, task force briefing. Sure. And he would tell you about all of the judges that, that he and Mitch McConnell got through. He would tell you about the one piece of legislation he got passed, which was of course, the um, the the tax cut, but he just was a broken record with his accomplishments, whether they were real or imagined. Right, Joe Biden in one year, as you mentioned, he, the American Recovery Act that was in March. That was right after he was elected. Bipartisan infrastructure bill. What did he get? Uh, seven re- Republicans to vote along, with, probably more. Yeah, uh, to to yeah. vote for that in the Senate. Uh, the COVID management, the vaccine rollouts, jobs were at nine uh, percent unemployment when he took office. At right now at three point nine. That's pretty remarkable considering the pandemic. That's right. Is still going on. So right now, I was just a great messenger for Joe Biden right there in this setup to to this. <laughs> what seems to be the inability or the disconnect for you know, I don't want to put it all on Joe Biden, but let's say the Biden administration and the inability to communicate a lot of these things to the American public, because you can't have those disapproval numbers, Doug, without losing a lot of your own supporters when you're dipping down into the low 40s. So what's the disconnect there in communicating? There are a couple of things going on here. For one, you mentioned Donald Trump being, a, you know, hammering home his message all the time. Republicans have always been better at message discipline and message unity. And Donald Trump is a master communicator. This is a guy who, you know, was all over Twitter. Now he's starting his own social media outfit. Uh, he knows how to do this. This is what he does. He, he's a showman. Uh, he's a TV host. Uh, that's what he does. Joe Biden is, you know, jo- Donald Trump was unconventional. Joe Biden is very much conventional. He's a longtime mainstream Democrat Party insider. He is not going to use Twitter the way Donald Trump did. He's not a braggadocious kind of guy in terms of that. 
Um, though we all know he's got the gift of gab and a bit of the blarney, but um, <laughs> he, he's just not that guy, and he's not going to do that. And he and he wants to be a more he wants to have a return to normalcy, so to speak, politically. So he's not going to be imitate Donald Trump in terms of Twitter, in terms of of the way he uses media. Um, Donald Trump had Fox News and all of the other uh, Republican Party propaganda machine to reinforce his message and and resonate it through the echo chamber to a willing audience that would lap it up and believe anything they were told. That's not the case for Democrats. I mean, I guess you could argue MSNBC to some extent is the left wing equivalent of Fox News, but it really isn't. Uh, and then you have CNN, which is you know left of center, and then you have the mainstream networks. But there's not a single house organ the way there is for the Republicans. They don't coordinate the way Fox and, and the Trump administration do or did. Um, they don't. Um, it's just not the same kind of apparatus. And then the Democrats are a much more diffuse bunch. Within the Democratic Party, you have a very large progressive wing. You have the Bernie Sanders people who held their noses and voted for Biden. I mean, there are a lot of people in the Democratic Party who voted for Biden, who don't really like him and didn't like him that much and are easily turned off to him now, as opposed to in the Republican Party, where it's you're on board with Trump. And if you're not, you're just basically excommunicated. So it's just a different environment. It's never going to be the same. It's apples and oranges. So it's harder for a Joe Biden to sustain a message and amplify the message the way that a Donald Trump can. So unless Joe Biden is curing cancer and inflation is at zero and unemployment is at one, uh, he's always going to have his critics. Yeah. And those who aren't that enthused about him and, you know, his personality is such he's not the most dynamic, articulate, eloquent guy. He's not someone who gets on the stump and, and stirs you to, to shivers with his oratory. And he's never going to be that guy. So it's tough for him to try to be something is not to his credit. I don't think he is. He's, he's just being who he is and let the chips fall where they may. You know, I think it's important to keep in mind that how did Joe Biden become president? I think Joe Biden won the election with overwhelming voter turnout. And key to that was the African-Americans who turned out to vote for Joe Biden and these women in the suburbs that may have voted for Trump in 2016, but were really turned off by a lot of his less than appealing character traits, right? Those were going to be pretty fragile coalitions, I think, for Joe Biden, certainly in a first year as people gauge what can he what is he doing for me? Right. They didn't want to see him be pushed too far to the left. And so right. with Build Back Better, I think with Build Back Better and with voting rights, that's where this thing has kind of come off the rails in this first year. Sure, messaging is a lot of it, but this is also action at this point. Like Biden wanted to put through this transformational spending package and build back better that the American electorate just doesn't really have the appetite for. Well, I think that a lot of the electorate, if they know the details of what's in those bills, probably do support much of it. Uh, but the, again, what they hear is they can't get it through. Republicans, no, no, no. It's it's a liberal spending and a couple of key Democrats, Manchin and Cinema, saying we can't support this. So what they see and hear is a logjam. Biden can't get it done. Democrats can't pass their agenda. I think if you broke down what's in those bills, for a lot of people, they actually support a lot of that. But they're told that it's some too liberal left wing package that he can't even pass. And so then they oppose it or throw up their hands and say, oh, see, he's not effective. Uh, I don't know that 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 
you know, he would argue that he hasn't moved much to the left. Um, certainly those in the center and to the right would say he's, be, he's pulling the country way to the left. But I think, again, it's more about um, what people hear and see as opposed to what's actually being voted on. And, mm. you know, I think that those bills would have passed easily with bipartisan support, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You mentioned Manchin and cinema. How much responsibility do they bear for the battering and the bruises that Joe Biden is dealing with right now? I think they bear quite a bit because he can't get his agenda through, because he has to be seen as wheedling and cajoling and trying to, you know, make concessions and and just to get what it, what what he wants and what he's promised. Um, I think they bear quite a bit. I mean, but he, you know, he made a big point of saying in his news conference, "Look, I've got forty eight of the fifty Democrats on board with me. That's incredible." But he can't get a single Republican, even though he said at least five of them in the Senate um, have told him privately they do want to vote for what he's proposing and they support it, but they're afraid to because they know if they do, they'll get a primary challenge from the Trump wing and they could be the end of their career. So they're putting their own survival in Washington ahead of their beliefs and principles and what they believe would be best for their constituents. So if he's telling the truth, and I, I have a feeling he is actually, um, then, you know, those Republicans certainly bear even more responsibility than Manchin and Cinema. But by blocking this, yeah, Manchin and Cinema are, are basically just in there with those Republicans in that they're not going along with what their party leader wants. Not that they, you know, that they have to. Um, they are ultimately responsible to the people they represent, not the, the leader of their party. Uh, but I, I think they do bear some of that responsibility. And Biden's got to try to find a way around, around it. And he just hasn't been able to get that done. What does a, a successful second year look like for Biden? And I think there's so much on the on his plate immediately. One, uh, we're going to see his second big test in uh, foreign policy. I think this Russia-Ukraine situation is mm -hmm. really serious. Absolutely. Um, and I think, obviously, on the domestic front, COVID's going to be the biggie. People are sick of hearing about COVID, though. They are more concerned with their paychecks and, and the economy and things like that. These are pretty significant things that, that are going to be on his plate immediately. And then whatever comes up over the course of the year, I don't have a crystal ball. You don't either. But what does a second year, a successful second year look like? for Joe Biden and his presidency. Yeah, that's the thing. You never know what's going to happen, right? Right now, Russia, Ukraine, that seems like the big foreign policy test. Who knows? There could be some massive terrorist attack. Something could happen with North Korea, Iran, uh, someplace we're not even thinking of. This is what happens in government and politics. And, and But I do think... COVID. We could be... Yeah, COVID. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, internationally, how he handles Russia and Ukraine, it cannot be another Afghanistan. He's got to handle it the right way. Ideally for him, Putin doesn't go into Ukraine. But if he does, his response has to be strong enough that he doesn't look weak. But we don't want to provoke another world war. I mean, it's a really tough situation. I'm glad I'm not in charge. Uh, and then domestically, certainly the economy and COVID top it. I mean, for him, a successful year means... Putin somehow doesn't go into, you know, the threat of American um, deterrent sanctions, etc., cetera, uh, is enough to stop Putin from going into Ukraine. COVID peters out. Omicron goes away. There's not another variant that comes in behind it. We start to return to something of a normal life. People start being able to go to the movies and bars and restaurants and not wear masks. Kids are in school. 
Uh, inflation is held in check and comes back down while unemployment remains low. The stock market roars, you know, the Dow hits 40,000. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of year he'd like to see. And frankly, if that happens, if, if COVID is on the wane, the economy is strong, there's no major international challenges, uh, you know, the midterms look a lot different for, for him and the Democrats because they're able to sell what he's done and sell their successes and people are in a better mood. It's unrealistic to expect all of that to happen. Um, I just, you know, it's wishful thinking. Um, and I think that's why the midterms remain a considerable challenge for him. All right. Doug Sovereign, political reporter with us at KCBS Radio. Doug, insightful, uh, enjoyable conversation as always. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to my KCBS Radio colleague, Doug Sovereign. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the Bay Current podcast, we have new episodes out every day, and we'd love to be part of your daily routine. You can subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just about anywhere you listen. And every episode is on the KCBS Radio YouTube page, and there's a link in our show notes where you can subscribe there as well. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.